This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including e-books and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. And we are live. Hello. <laughs> Hello to our wonderful author, Leah Henderson. Hello. It's so, it's so great to have you on our video podcast. Um, and I'm Mel Rosenberg, the host of the Children's Literature Channel for the New Books Network. And I have a splendid author. And I'm so glad that someone of your stature has agreed to be on the show today. Of course, it's my honor. Okay. So, Leah, let's get down to business. We can sure. spend the whole day exchanging compliments. Uh, you have a new book out. I think it, it launched in January. That is correct. That the is Daddy correct. Speaks Love, a beautiful true. picture book. Tell us all about it, and then yeah. we'll talk about your life. All right. Oh, just, just a little bit of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so Daddy Speaks Love actually came out of a phone conversation with the illustrator of the book. Um, E.B. Lewis. And a lot of times the author and illustrator are kept separate on projects. And so, you know, as an author, I will contribute my words and hand it off. And then it will be given to an illustrator to, to, to add to that, to make it even better. Um, but in this case, we were on the phone one day, we are, we are good friends and we were on the phone and he happened to say to me during the quarantine summer of 2020, um, did you hear the words of Gianna Floyd talking to President Biden about her father, George Floyd? And, and I had not heard the words at the memorial service or before the memorial service. And so I was like, you know, what did she say? And he was like, she said, my daddy changed the world. And he said, I just wanted to create art from, from that. I wanted to sit down and really get in there. And he was like, and I would love a poem to go with that art. And so we kind of were talking about how he was going to get somebody to write a poem and to, to go along with his work. And I happened to say, you know, while I could never probably write that poem because it's so close to her, that experience is so personal to her. It is on a global stage, right? Um, the, the tragic death of her father, the murder of her father. But for me, um, I feel like that is a very personal story. But I started thinking about just dads in general and the ways that dads impact our lives. And I am very close to my dad and he knows that he knows my parents. 
And I started rambling on about all the ways in which my dad affects my world. And he said, Leah, go sit down and write the thing. And I was like, no, no, no. And he goes, no, 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 go sit down and write the thing. And so basically the story, um, the book didn't really take form for me until I thought about how does my dad show love to me and others? And thinking about that got me to Daddy Speaks Love. And so then the book is basically a roadmap of my dad and all the ways that he has shown me and my brother's love and other people that have stepped into our world and he has become a surrogate father too. And it's also about the other dads who have stepped into my life in that role as well. Ah, because there seems to be a bunch of dads in the story. Yes. So who are the other dads? So, you know, this is the thing. There are people that might step into your life for a moment, right? A season, a lifetime, and all of those people have imprinted on us in some way. And so it is all of those dads, whether they are actually dads or they are stepping into that role, they have taught me something. And so those are the people that I think about when I think about just my upbringing and how I have learned to kind of navigate this world and this space. And I know that it is such a privilege to have all of those people stepping into that space for me and looking out for me and guiding me. And I, and I also realized that all kids don't have that. And so I wanted it to be kind of a guide for them as well as a guide for dads. Incredible. So one second. So after you had written it, then you pitched it together. Yes. Yes, we did. Um, so that, so that, that, that's, that's rare. That's rare. Yes, it's extremely rare. And it is a beautiful gift to be able to do the, um, something with a friend. And the thing is, for years, we have wanted to do a project together. And we've come close a couple of times, but it just wasn't right. And this one, everything, um, you know, unfortunately, because of the circumstances, we came to this story, but at the same time, it was the right moment for us to tell this story. And so, um, so yeah, so after he put me on a time pressure crunch to write it, I was sweating. Um, then we, then we went out together on it and it was a very quick process. All of it was a very quick process. So if you think about picture books, generally they do take about two years, um, or more. I, I think you're being optimistic. Right, exactly. I said, or more. Um, and, and, uh, and so this one was written during that summer of 2020. And it came out in January. So yeah, so it was quick, quick, quick. Yes, yes that, that, that's, that's quick for sure. It's a very timely book. Yes. yes. And um, so I have several questions to ask. So did you pitch it to your agent? Uh, did you pitch it directly to Nancy Paulson? How did this work? So honestly, I was working on other things at the time. Um, I was also on deadline for a book at the time. He did not seem to care. I love him dearly, but he did not seem to care. And so my agent, I did not show it to her um, until I had done a couple of drafts because I know I knew what she would say. Uh, you have some other things that are due. What are you doing? Um, and so when I showed it to her, she was like, are you sleeping? When are, when are you sleeping? But so what we did was I worked on it and he gave me a, a deadline, a hard deadline in his mind. But in my mind, I, I needed more time. But so I gave it to him 
And he was like, I already know I don't need to read it because I can hear in your voice that you're not ready for me to see it. And I don't want to see it until you're ready for me to see it. So go back and do it again. <laughs> so that was like a first draft. Okay, after. so who, who is the he and who is the she? The he is E.B. Lewis and the she was my, my agent at the time. And so then after I did another draft, um, his agent um, and my agent kind of had a conversation and EB was like, and his agent also thought, as well as mine, um, that Nancy was the right person to, to bring it to. And she was like, let's do it. Um, so yeah, so that's how it all, it all happened very quickly. I, I'm, I'm speeding through because it was a whirlwind of a process. Um, I think it was a whirlwind for a number of reasons because it was a very emotional time as well. So there were lots of emotions swirling around at the time. And then you're, you want it to be just right. You want to say just the right things. And you're worried that you forgot something or I didn't say it the right way or, you know, all the things. And then it's about my dad in a sense. And so that's another level, not so much pressure as much as it is, is he knows how much I love him to bits, but it's still, you want him to know on the page how much I love him to bits. <laughs> what was, what was he like? Um... Wow, Leah, it's a terrific book. Or uh, how come uh, you have other fathers there in the book? So my dad is a precious, precious human being. And I wish everybody had a mother. You're, you're, a, you're a daddy's girl, aren't you? I am, I'm a daddy's girl, but I'm also a mom's, like my mom is my buddy. So it's like, I got, like, I'm on both sides of it. If you see me with my mom, you think we're together all the time like that. When you see me with my dad, you know he is my heart and my soul as well. But um, so my dad is one of those people that I won't say he quietly watches, but he is very observant. And then he says what he needs to say when he needs to say it. But he is also somebody that notices when there are things that aren't um, that when there are things that need to be there and he will be the one that put it there, but he won't say anything. That is my dad. That's the way he rolls. Did, at what stage did he see the book? So he did not see the book. I did not tell them about the book until after E.B. did the illustrations. Wow. So one and, second, so, sorry. No, Go no, ahead. no. So yeah, so it was, a, it was a long time. And they were like, why are you stressing? You seem more stressed. And I wouldn't tell them why I, I, I didn't. And I talked to my parents almost every day. And so I didn't, you know, whether that's text messaging or that's on the phone just for like a quick check-in or a long family group conversation. Um, I, I was keeping it under wraps, which is very hard. <laughs> Very, very hard. But yeah, I did not want them to kind of see any parts of it. I wanted them to see the whole. Yeah, I wanted them to see the whole. So um, E.B. Lewis. Yes. Why, why is he embarrassed because of his uh, first names? <laughs> no, you know what? He, it is one of those things, since he is also a fine artist, it's just his separation from children's world to, to adult stuff and adult spaces. It's just, a, it's, 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 it's simply that. But he uh, could, so what, what do they call him in the fine art business? They possibly could call him Earl. Is that his name? Yes. Ah, okay. I thought, <laughs> I thought Eldred, but I wasn't far off. No, no. Okay. I like the name Eldred, though. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad name. Yeah. Um, okay, so now let's uh, let's go back to the uh, story itself. You have a copy of this beautiful book. It's it's um, it's so lyrical and it's, it's it's so the illustrations are are incredible. You have a copy? I do. Good. That kind of a dumb question, but. Uh, <laughs> 
have many copies. <laughs> okay, so the people on the podcast cannot see this book, but they should go out and buy it because it is beautifully written Thanks. and beautifully illustrated. Yes. And um, and Nancy Polson knows how to make wonderful books. So um, can you open the book at one spread and read a little bit for us and show the... the sure, the, and, I'll, and I'll let you in on just a little how kind of the stars align in so many ways um, sometimes. So when we were working on this book um, and he was about to start his illustrations, his son had his first grandbaby. Oh. First grandbaby, Ava Rose and his son at the hospital. And so that happened while the book was being made. So they were perfect for this first spread that says, on that very first day, Bundled in blankets, you cried to be heard. Shh, baby bird, I've got you. Our daddy's first words. Yeah, so that became the first image for the book. Yeah, um, and so it's it's when he uh, called me to say, you ready to see it? I was like, yes, 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 yes. Um, and so when he sent it to me, I was very emotional and of course he's on the phone listening for all the things i'm gonna say and then i'm just gonna kind of go forward because the book kind of has this turn in it in this moment where things turn and it's speaking about the truths of the world that we're in and different things like that and then the spread that kind of really got me the one that i feel got us started i'm just turning to it right now is this one right here um, where it's of George Floyd on a propaganda poster. And I felt like, you know, sometimes people come to books and they never know why it was written, you know, why, why, you know, certain things came together to create this story. But for me, having this in there will always speak to, to where this book came from and what it came out of. And so I, I think it's a gorgeous spread, but E.B. really, he put his foot in this one. He really did an amazing job on this one. He really did. It's a, it's a beautiful book. Yeah. So um, let's now talk about your life a bit. Sure. Then we're going to get back to, to speaking about daddies. Sure. Because I'm a daddy. Yes, yes, and yes. You know, so many of the people who read picture books to their kids are, are daddies and granddaddies. Um, and Absolutely. I don't I don't think we get enough attention. I, I know you're going to argue with me. No, you know what? I absolutely will not argue with you on that one. And the funny thing is, I am usually someone who will never say that I'm an author. Like if I'm out and about, I'll never say I'm an author or anything. But sometimes I'll be in the library. This has happened a couple of times now and I get a little bit emotional. But um, like a couple of weeks ago, I was in the library and this dad and his two sons were in the library and one had a stack of books and he comes over to me and he was like, what book are you getting over here? Because I was in the picture books and he was like, what are you getting? And I'm like, I don't know yet. Is there a book I should get? And he was like, well, those are my books. And his dad is like, don't bother her. Don't bother. And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. And he's like, yeah, what's a, let's find you a good book. And his son was like trying to find me a book. And then his dad and his brother came over and then we all started talking and then they went and his dad was like, are we not going to read books? And they're like, yeah, yeah, daddy, you're going to read this one, this one, no, this one, this one. Aren't you going to stay and read a book with us? And I was just like, I'm not going to stay and read a book with you, but I'm going to ask your father this very strange and bizarre question. If he could send me a mailing address 
And I was like, don't worry. It's, not, it's nothing crazy. It's, I'm not going to show up at your house in the middle of the night. I would love to have a mailing address for you because there is a book that I want you all to have. And I feel like you are the type of dad that speaks to everything that's in this book. And so I've done that a couple of times where I've sent Daddy Speaks Love to a couple of people. And I would have loved to be able to fly on the wall when it arrived. Um, and, and they got a chance. Wow. To <laughs> did, did they did they write to you they wrote back at the time they were like well, why didn't you say because i didn't say i just said there's a book that i you know because even if they even if they sometimes they don't connect your name until they see they'll google you know everybody is yeah. googling everybody now they're like why didn't you say i had so many questions but but it's but i'm like no it wasn't meant for that it was just me recognizing another dad in the world who speaks love like my dad wow and are you one of the uh, the authors who sometimes sees a kid and just pulls a book out of the car and gives it to them? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And if I don't have one that that I think that they would like, I'm all about telling them this is what you need to go. Either the library, the bookstore, you need to get it on your Kindle, your mommy's Kindle, somebody's Kindle. You're going to love it. Yes, I'm so that person. Wonderful. So let's uh, let's go back to Leah as a uh, as a child. Sure. Uh, because you know I have my theories. I was a happy child. But those of us who write for five year olds are five year olds. <laughs> I am a happy child. I was a happy child, um, and I'm a happy adult. So this is the thing. I write all over the place all over the place. Um, I think for me, I was just doing a, a radio interview the other day and the person was saying, you know, why is it that you chose to write for children um, as opposed to adults? And I was like, well, I do actually, that's where I started. I started writing for adults and a professor in, of mine in graduate school was like, over, was overhearing a conversation of mine. And she said, do you think do you think you would consider writing for kids? And it was something that I had never thought about, but I will always try anything once. And uh, so I tried it. But what I was telling um, the gentleman that I was talking to the other day, when I was growing up, my parents were the type of parents that made sure that my brothers and I saw reflections of ourselves out in the world all of the time. We would travel around the world to different places and they were very strategic in where they brought us and what they brought us to. We did not go on beach vacations. No, 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 no. At six, we had itineraries of places that we were going to see. We were visiting historically black colleges at, you know, like eight, nine and 10 and having the college tour and the tour guide would be like, wait, where's the prospective student? And my parents would be like, right there. We could not touch the ground in our chairs. We're kicking our little feet and the students would be like huh and they'd be like those are the prospective students take them let them see and so those were always in our itineraries wherever we were um and so as a child who had that gift of kind of all of this world in in you know in different pockets it's something that i wanted to share with kids that might not have that blessing and so that's kind of my i don't think it was conscious but in a way, it's kind of like 
I cherish that now. I don't know how much I always cherished it when I was young. Sometimes I just wanted to go to the beach, but you know, like I cherish that now. I cherish the things that that they that they taught us, that they shared with us. Um, that you know, we grew into the people that we are because of those trips um, and because of our close knit family bonding on those trips um, and the revelations that we we learned about people that look like us. So yeah. So, uh, okay, we're going to go back to, to, to that issue in a few moments. Mm -hmm. um, so you grew up in a lovely uh, family. You don't have any of the angst that I look for in children's writers. No. And, I, and no. that's okay, too. You, you're, <laughs> you're an outlier in my graph, Leah, but, you know, <laughs> there are some people that actually had a, a lovely childhood. I, I, I should say that um, my happy moments, happiest moments with my dad were... were when he read to me as a small child. Yeah. Very um, so maybe that's why I connected this so much, so well with your story. Um, so you, you grew up and um, when did you start? And I know that you studied uh, writing. Mm -hmm. You have a master's degree in, 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 uh, mm -hmm. in writing. It's wonderful. Um, so when did you decide to be a writer? Oh my goodness. You know, it was not a conscious choice at first. What it was at first, those trips that we used to go on in different parts of the world, this is before the internet. Um, my parent, I would had a million questions and I was like, well, what happened to the person before that? Well, what happened after that? Well, what happened to the city after that? What happened to the town? Where's the house? I would ask all of these questions and my parents would literally be like, go to the library and find out. Now, of course, some of the things that they had taken us to were really obscure or just were not well-documented in a lot of ways. And I'd go to the library and be sorely disappointed in the card catalog and not finding what I needed. And then they would turn to me and they would say, well, Leah, what do you think happened? And I would write little plays and little stories that my brothers and cousins and I would act out um, in response to that trip. Um, wow. and so it was like this thing that I was just doing, not really thinking about it because I was just trying to like quench a curiosity. And so that's how I really started. And then it wasn't until I was older, um, I was in love with writing in school, but I also was a big athlete. So I thought I was gonna go into sports medicine and I was kind of like in this whole world of sports. But I did love to write. And one of my teachers in prep school um, had us do like a 30 page short story. And I was so excited and I ran home, did the story. We had uh, we had like three weeks to do it, but I did it in like one night. I was so excited and, and I brought it back and and I was a good student. And he calls me in his office and he's just like, I can't believe you wrote this. So I'm thinking, yeah, I know, isn't it amazing? But as he kept talking, I realized it wasn't so amazing because he thought I plagiarized. He didn't think that I was capable of writing that story. And so for me, while my parents wanted me to see in it, that's how good you are, right? That is not what I saw or heard or thought. All I saw was that he didn't think I was good enough. And that actually turned me away from writing for, for a long time. And I didn't write anymore. I didn't think about it. I didn't talk about it. I just completely went a different way. Um, and so that's another thing about kids. We can turn them 
positive in a positive direction towards sunshine, or we can really turn them in another direction away from certain things by our words, by our actions. And so every time we have to be so cognizant of what we're saying um, and doing and how we're expressing, however, they are doing what they are doing, even if it's not exactly so, right. So whoever this, how old were you when, when I don't know. What, um, when so I was, so at my prep school, your junior year is your sophomore year. So what is that? How old was I? I was in 10th grade. Ah, okay, yeah. because I'm from Canada. We don't have yeah. things like that. Yeah. Well, no, really? most people no, most people don't have things like this. My, ah. my prep school is like one of the only ones that tried to confuse the whole world. So them. so so this uh, we, we call them uh, tormentors. Okay. Yeah. The people who say you're not good, you plagiarize, this isn't yeah. you, da da, da 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 da. So now that you're a very successful author, um, is he your go-to nanana bugu person? You know, no, I, I think I think what that did for a number of a number of things it did. While I do not appreciate that he did it, um, while it hurt and I still remember it, it has taught me a lot. And there are lots of things that I remember because of that, not just for myself, but how I interact with other people. You're you're too nice. No, no, because guess what? I have a mom that handled things, so I didn't need to handle no, One sec, one sec. You know, all the people I interview on this show are nice, but you are too nice. No, I'm you, not. You know, you know, the nanabugu, you know, like somebody who says that you're not good, that you can't yeah. sing, and then you yeah. become Ella Fitzgerald or something. Right. And then there's this, you know, nanabugu, nanabugu, oh, and no. you don't even have that. No, because what for? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's not, that's not like, you know, maybe, what he, he go, he goes on and does him. I, yeah. you know, I've, I've moved on. And for me, although I went away from it, when I came back to it, I was completely invested and in love and wow. missed, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, because sometimes the tormentors bring us around, you see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. That, I'm, we should say thank you to them, but you know. I won't go that far. <laughs> okay, good. So, um, <laughs> so you're, you're a human being at the end of the day. Yes, okay, I am. Okay. All right. So, so um, if we so were start... on the soccer field or the football pitch, you know, he would know. <laughs> he would know. <laughs> Yellow card. Okay. <laughs> So, um, and so you started writing when you were in, uh, seriously, in university? Um, I, no, actually, what, when I went to university, I started taking a lot of literature classes. So it was more a lot of reading. Um, and I came upon like Tori, um, Toni Morrison, Sula. And I just remember thinking, words can do this like these little things that you put together can make me feel this, can make me like so invested in a story that is so different from my own. Um, and I started recognizing that power of words, not thinking that I would ever be trying to dabble in that space, but just, I, I was just kind of mesmerized by them. And so there was a lot of literature courses. Um, and I also took a lot of anthropology courses. Um, I took Chinese. And so I was taking all this different stuff. So I wasn't, still wasn't truly writing. Um, but when I got out of school and um, after another tragedy, um, 9-11, um, I moved to Italy. And while I was Italy, I threw parties at nightclubs. And 
I used to watch people and I used to think about the stories that were that were in them. And I started writing stories in the night. One second, you threw, that was your job to throw parties at nightclubs? Yeah. <laughs> people hired you to do that. And I was really good at it. And I'm I was, sure you were. I, I loved it. It was fun. It was I, it's, fun. It, it's a dream job. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, Especially when you're in your 20s, you know. It's, well, it's, even for somebody like me, it's not bad. <laughs> but, but, you know, at my age, the parties have to start at 7 p.m. <laughs> See, you don't go out of your house until one o'clock in the morning. I know. <laughs> so I started writing like next to the speaker and people would be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, I'm working on a book. And they were like, huh? And I wrote a couple of novels in the nightclub. And that's when I was kind of like, maybe you should explore going back to school for this. Maybe you should think about it to, to want to do it this badly. Cause I also love to dance. So for me to be in the nightclub, the only time I put my computer down was when my jam came on and I get on the dance floor, but, but yeah, so that's kind of what turned me back towards school and, and going to school for writing. You sound like one amazing human being. Where are you now? I'm coming to visit Washington, DC, Washington, DC. Okay. If you hear a knock on your door, And, okay, so uh, when did you when did your um, break breakthrough come? Uh, oh your first book, your agent, your breakthrough. So for me, it was one of I you know everyone has a different story about how this happens. But so when I was in graduate school, or when I started graduate school, I started um, for an adult fiction program, and it just so happened that the program that I went to. The reason I chose it was Spalding University. The reason I chose it was because it had an international component um, and they had residencies in different parts of the world during the summer. And so for me, it was kind of ideal to kind of, you know, pop away and come back. I was also looking at programs that were traditional programs in London. And this particular school was going to London for one of their residencies. So it had popped up in my radar that way. I didn't know about it. But the wonderful thing about it is it had a writing for children um, uh, component to it that all the other schools that I was looking at did not. So when I went to school was writing for adults and we were on a bus one day taking a trip in London and the faculty member from writing for children peeked through my seat when I was talking to my friend. Have you ever thought about writing for kids? Remember when I told you that earlier? Um, that's when that happened. And I was like, no, not really. Not the kind of books I'm writing. And, um, and she was just like, I think you'd love it. And so I took her course halfway through the program and I fell in love. And that first semester I went to Senegal, um, loved to travel, was on a trip to Senegal, hanging out and saw this little boy on a wall. And I wrote this really short, just really little short story, just kind of for myself more than anything else. But I put it in my packet of work. And she was like, this is the start of a novel. And I was like, it is not the start of a novel by me. I was like, I don't know anything about Senegal like that. And I am not about to write about um, an experience that is, that is that is not my own without doing heavy research. So no, 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 I'm not, I'm not writing this book. Probably don't even wanna do it even with heavy research because I know the harm that has been done when people you know, write something and they, they haven't really gone in there and done the heavy lifting. And, and I didn't think I was up for the task. 
And I also just didn't want to do harm, period, point blank, drop the mic, end of discussion. Um, but my professor, that professor would not, her name was Ellie Bryant, would not let it go. And my main character's name was Moore. And she would be like, I just want to see a couple more pages of Moore. You can send me whatever else you want, but just send me a couple more pages of more. So we kind of made a deal that I would send her a couple of pages of more every packet. Um, and at the end of the semester, I was super excited because I thought I could put more in a drawer. And my next professor was like, a little birdie told me about more. I would like to see some more of more. And I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. So through my um, the last two years of my program, my professors would not let me not write it. And when I graduated, I was so excited because I was not going to write it anymore. And someone who is a dear friend and heart and soul of mine and one of my biggest cheerleaders, Leslie Newman, read some of the pages of Moore's story. And she was like, I want to see more. I want to see more. And she would not let up for a couple of years. And then I wrote uh, One Shadow on the Wall. She pulled it out of my hands, kicking and screaming. Um, and basically I first started with referrals um, to, to agents. And they were all kind of like, I love the writing, but I'm not sure what to do with this. I don't know where this would sit in the market because it was a story about a little boy in Africa, but it wasn't a war-torn Africa. It wasn't a quote unquote impoverished really, you know, in, in those types of stories that, that you often see. Um, and they were like, we're just not quite sure where it would fit. And I was like, I get it. I understand. I didn't actually push back on it at all. I was just like, it could go in the drawer. I'm going to work on something else. And, um, and one of the people that I was referred to, he was like, you know, I really love it. And I, I just don't know what to do with it. And I've just turned over to agenting. And um, I wish you the best of luck with everything you're doing. Do not stop writing. And so I started working on my next novel, The Magic and Changing Your Stars. And fast forward like nine months, I was at an event and... I saw him speaking, this man, and name is Ruben Pfeffer, Pfeffer, and, oh. and, and so, yeah. He's very famous. Yeah, and so Ruben was at this event, and I just said to myself, if our paths cross at all, I will just tell him thank you for, you know, just that encouragement, that little bit of encouragement, because it really helped, and I just turned and, and pivoted and started writing something else. And he almost stepped on my foot one night. And I said, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I had just said in my mind, if he crosses my path, I'm just gonna speak to him. I'm not gonna you know, go out of my way or anything, but if he crosses my, he almost stepped on my foot. And so I tapped him on the shoulder and I was just like, I, I know you, you do not remember this story or, or who I am. And I kind of went in and he was like, yes, the little boy and his sisters and the da, 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 da. And I was like, oh my goodness. And he was like, send it to me again. And I was like, no, 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 I didn't come over to say anything like that. And he goes, no, send it to me again. Um, he was with a friend and the friend was like, he doesn't need to ask for it again, you know? And I was like, I know, I know. But he was like, send it to me again. And I did. And from there, he was like, let's do this. You want to do this? And so then it, it sold pretty quickly. And um, I kind of was like, wait, what? I, wait, what? <laughs> I 
wasn't ready for that. But but it was one of those long, slow, quick kind of agent author publishing stories. Like 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 a tangle. Yes. Yes. Except yeah. except you don't a messy know who- one. <laughs> a beginner's tango. Is there such a thing as a beginner's tango? <laughs> to paraphrase the movie. Um, so um yeah, and the, the tango is very it's a, that's a really good uh that's a really good analogy. I was thinking of Cinderella because of the shoes. Um but um you know authors who succeed as you have need a, an extraordinary talent, but beyond the talent, you also need this gumption um you know to to open your mouth and say something, uh to reach out. I call them luck burglars. Yeah. Uh, you, you could have walked away from Ruben and yeah. that would have been the end yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like to to have a career like you have is one in, I don't know, 50,000. And I'm guessing, and there has to be a, a, a story here because these extraordinary events like your your career, they don't fit on, on the regular graphs of life. I think, you know, it goes back to that what we were speaking about with Daddy Speaks Love and all of the people who have been representative dads in my life who have stepped onto my path in my writing journey. So many incredible people have kind of stepped into my path and been like, I got you. Just take one more step. Don't give up yet. Just take one more step. Um, you know, like when Leslie stepped onto my path, that book was going in a drawer for certain, for certain. And my parents, um, who lived in the Middle East at the time had come to visit me and I was kind of kicking and screaming. And they were like, what is the problem? Because I'm groaning at my computer screen because Leslie has sent me a message to check in to see how you know uh, the book is going and the book was not going. And I didn't know her at the time. So I was kind of like, you know, my parents taught me to be polite, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to work on this book. And um, I don't know what I'm doing. And she just, in her beautiful way, was just like, no, just keep going. Just just keep writing. It just, just keep trying. And then my parents, when they were at my house, they were standing in the door of my office, leaning, looking at each other. And I had told them what my problem was. And my mom looked at my dad and she was like, do you want to handle this or should I? And my dad looked at me and he goes, you know, you're not the child your mother and I raised. If you stand in the way of that little boy that you saw in Senegal, not see his possibilities on the page, you know? And as growing up, it was always about my brothers and I seeing our possibilities in the world, right? So that one hit right to the center of my gut, my heart, my core. And, but it was also this moment where I realized it's not about you you go do the work. This is a story to try to, to showcase possibilities for this little boy that you saw for like one minute of your life. Wow. Um, and so it changed then. And I changed then about working on the book and about trying to get it finished. And, you know, my parents were like, Merry Christmas. And they sent me back to Senegal and I stayed there and literally like would sit and just watch for hours, just kind of filling notebooks, recorders, putting sand in little sandwich bags, like grabbing all kinds of incense, tasting everything, touching everything, just so I could try to figure out this space that I was in. And um, 
Yeah, so all of these people along the way and still to this day, um, step onto my path. And I, and sometimes I'm like, why? I don't understand why you're doing this, but I'm appreciative, but, but I, but I don't take it for granted. I definitely don't take it for granted. So listen, you know, we, we've been speaking now for 40 minutes and I'm just going to have to have you back on the show <laughs> because we haven't, we haven't talked about privilege and we haven't talked about prejudice and, uh, we haven't, uh, it talked about the all of the um, iniquities and inequities of America yes. and the world. Yes. And we're going to do this again soon if you're willing. Yes. Absolutely. Because uh, it's just so much fun. <laughs> absolutely. Um, what's what's the next book coming out? So th- so um, so Daddy Speaks Love is out since January. Yes. Uh, everybody, run and grab a copy. <laughs> uh, and uh, the next book children's book so so i have another book that will come out next year it's another picture book and it hasn't been announced yet but Ah. what i say about this book is sometimes you write a book for someone else um because it was inspired by inspired by someone else this is an a fable that reminded me not to give up um i needed to write this story for myself at a time where i was feeling like is this the right thing that I should be doing? Or should I be doing something else? Should I go back to sports medicine? Should I go to flipping houses? I don't know. Like, should I do something else? So the next uh, picture book that's coming out, it's all animals. um, And it was a book that I wrote for me. Wow. Yeah. So Leah Henderson, this has been a whirlwind of an interview. (laughs) Uh, I I just, you know, I I would love to reach over the screen and shake your hand. (laughs) Uh, and there's so much we haven't talked about, but people tell me that that's the sign of a good interview. <laughs> so, so I hope to have you back soon. Maybe yeah. when the secret book that hasn't been announced yet uh, uh, launches. And maybe maybe next week, if you want, we can do something off stage. Uh, I have so many other questions to ask you. <laughs> this has been terrific. So Leah Henderson, on behalf of the New Books Network, it's me, Mel Rosenberg, the host of the Children's Literature Channel, uh, wishing your incredible joy of love uh, to continue for you and for all the other so many people that you reach out to in your words. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to talk oh, to you. Oh, I was waiting for this. What are you talking about? It was so much fun. <laughs> let, me, let me know if you want to grab a chat next week. Absolutely. Just you and me without all these thousands of people listening. (laughs) Sounds perfect. Take care. Thanks so much. (laughs) Bye.